0: I gotta tell you brothers and sisters I'm a little disappointed in you this morning I thought this place would be blinding orange very few of you very few of you praise God for the Alabama fans that still wear the a amen Ron good job Alabama fans so they see it mark yeah I see it brother I see it y'all just better be thankful you don't play the Mississippi State Bulldogs this year amen they would put you down if you have your bible turn to luke chapter 10 luke chapter 10 the last time we met colton our last time y'all were here together we were on vacation colton led the way into luke 10 and the sending of the uh, 72 missionaries before that uh, we had spent several sundays in luke 9 which is a major transition in the gospel of luke at verse 51 where luke tells us that when the days drew near for him to be taken up meaning his crucifixion burial and ascension that has set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so from this point forward in the Gospel of Luke, what you have is a primary emphasis on Jesus moving closer and closer toward Jerusalem for his persecution and being put to death by the religious elite at the hands of the Roman, uh, the Roman, uh, what's his name, Pontius Pilate. So Sunday before last, Sunday before that, we looked at these harsh sayings from Jesus To these three potential disciples and Christ was making it very clear to them that following him is not the glamorous road that they think it is following Jesus if you really follow him I'll tell you it's not a glamorous road this side of heaven amen it's just not it's full of difficulty I mean it's full of blessing as well don't don't hear me minimize that but Jesus sets a very clear pattern for us in the New Testament that if you follow him, it is a life of difficulty, it is a life of persecution, it is a life of hardship, period. And that is what he prepares his disciples for, what he prepares his apostles for. It is not the glamorous road that they think it is. Following Jesus as his disciples will be hard, hard, full of persecution, disappointment, and difficulty. And Jesus makes sure not to undersell this aspect of following him as we do in today's church. We try to make following Jesus as easy and as comfortable as possible. Would you agree with that? We just do. No, we're not doing that here, okay? We're not doing that at Parkway because we're trying to teach the truth of what the Bible says. And following Jesus is not easy. Being a disciple of Christ is hard. And that's what Jesus tells these that he is about to to send out here, these 72. So listen to what Jesus says in verse 57, then we'll read into the passage for today. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus makes it very clear to these three disciples that are, that are playing with the reality of following Jesus that it's not the glamorous road they think. Number one, our first priority is not comfort, Our first priority is the living and not the dead, and our first priority is the future and not the past. Those are harsh words, harsh words from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then we see Jesus, today we see Jesus send out a larger group of missionaries to begin chapter 10. So chapter 10, get this, this is really interesting when you follow these patterns that Jesus has in the gospel, chapter 10 starts off in the same way as chapter 9 did. In chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, we see Jesus calling the 12 disciples together, the 12 apostles. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart." And wherever they do not receive you when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So now fast forward through the entire chapter 9. And now we land on chapter 10. When Jesus sends out this second wave of disciples out into the world to preach and to teach and to heal. Join me there. I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your own town that clings to you we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Again, there is absolutely, positively, no way I can make this feel good preaching today. If I did, You would be right to drive me out of pastoral ministry because I would be a false teacher if I made this a feel-good message. This is not a feel-good message. This is preparing the, the 72 disciples to go out for what they will encounter as they go out to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a difficult, hard road in which you must depend on God. It is not a life of comfort and ease. It is a life of difficulty and challenges. Verses 1 through 3, 1 and 2, excuse me. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. That is a, I hear that, and, and I, I can believe it, amen? Any of you that have been in ministry any amount of time at all know the truth that is in this scripture, in, this, in, these, two, in these two verses right here. After this, the Lord appointed these 72 and sent them on ahead two by two into every town and place where himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So here's the first question in this text. Why 72? Did that question resonate in your mind? It did mine. Why 72? Well, we can't be certain. We can't be certain. We don't exactly know exactly why, but we do We do have some evidence from other passages in the Bible to suggest that Jesus is connecting the missionary journey to Genesis chapter 10, where you find the table of nations. And in Genesis chapter 10, what you see is 72 nations chronicled by Moses to have descended from Noah after the flood. Therefore, by sending 72 missionaries, Christ is symbolically sending a missionary to each nation on earth as descended from Noah. So Jesus is sending his disciples to how many nations? All nations, much like he willed the twelve at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Some also believe there is a second uh, option of what Jesus is doing here. If you look in Numbers chapter 11, you will see God's command to Moses to anoint 70 elders with the addition of Eldad and Medad with the power of the Spirit to share and extend the ministry of Moses. So somewhere in those two explanations is most likely the reason why Jesus chose 72 to send out at this specific time to show that his mission is sent to how many nations of the earth? All. Are any more favorable than the other? The answer is no. God sends missionaries and sends the gospel to every nation on earth that all may hear that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? Amen. So he sent them out two by two ahead of Jesus. So these missionaries were to go before Jesus comes to prepare the way, much like John the Baptist had done for Jesus, to begin to stir the community and to prepare their hearts to hear the gospel, to sow the seed of the gospel, to preach the kingdom and prepare the way for the Messiah to come visit. So they go ahead, and the scripture says they also go two by two. You've heard that before, that Jesus sent the disciples out two by two in this group of 72. Why? Well, it was a common practice And one that was practical and theological. Sending the missionaries together provided companionship, accountability, protection, and most importantly, the double witness that the scripture required. If we look at Deuteronomy 17 and Deuteronomy 19, we find these two passages. On the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses the one who is to die shall be put to death a person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness then Deuteronomy 19:15 a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established so this follows Jewish law. Therefore, to establish credibility for anything that happens, how many witnesses at least must we have? Two. Therefore, two by two. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament, just to give you a few examples. We see Moses and who? Aaron, exactly. We see Joshua and who? Caleb, exactly. We see Eldad and Medad. We mention those. We see Naomi and who? Ruth. And we see Elijah and who? Elijah, exactly, two by two, all through the scripture. Plus, having somebody else around, it's just nice, amen? How many of y'all are married love being around your spouse? Be honest now, be honest, okay. You love being around them, right? I just, I love being around other people, I do. There's times to be alone, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's, there's, there's times to be alone. But we are engineered and built by God for fellowship and for relationship with others. And especially on something as important and as delicate and as world-changing as the gospel mission, we need accountability and we need companionship and we need help. Therefore, Jesus sent them out two by two. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. What was the first time you heard that passage? I'm just curious, was it like right after you first became a Christian or was it a few years in? Uh, for me, it was not long uh, after I became a Christian, and I really didn't understand it very well. And then once I was in Christian ministry for about 10 years, uh, you begin to realize that Jesus really knows exactly what he's talking about. Amen? He does. And honestly, this, this passage gives me some amount of peace because every time and every place I have ever served, either as the senior pastor, head, but whatever you want to call me, or or a, 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 uh, or a, a, a youth minister, or any, any type of position anywhere in the church where I was responsible for recruiting people for certain tasks, it was like pulling teeth to get people to serve. Then I read this passage, and I'm like, you know, I can kind of, I, I, I get what Jesus is saying. I mean... Every time you try to recruit people, for me, at the very end of the nominating committee process, most of the time, I would come up empty-handed. I mean, you had two or three people who had served in that area, and who had always served in that area, and would always serve in that area, but then you had other areas that needed people to it, and you would have to call, and beg, and plead, and offer cash money, amen? I mean, whatever, whatever you felt like you needed to do to get those areas staffed. Well, it's just kind of interesting that Jesus kind of prepared us for this way back yonder when he was walking the highways and the byways with the disciples. It's a sobering reality about the challenge we have in ministry, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What I have found, and I think what Jesus found and what Jesus realized when he was on the earth is that everyone wants the blessing of salvation. You can amen that, right? Everybody wants inclusion in Christ's kingdom, but there are very few that are willing to carry on his work. We're willing to say, amen, I receive you, Jesus. We're willing to come to church, we're willing to do the minor things to somewhat show that we're believers, but when it comes to really sacrificing our time, and our materials and our things on the earth to really get involved and serve, a lot of times there's nobody lining up to serve for the Lord Jesus Christ and I have found that true time and time and time again. We're too busy. We're too scared. We're not qualified. We're lazy. We're apathetic. It's someone else's job and so forth and so on. Jesus dealt with that as well. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, meaning that God is bringing many, many people into his kingdom. The problem is that the workers are few to complete the task. Have you ever worked a job where you had this responsibility and you did not have enough manpower or enough hours in the day to complete the task at hand? You ever been there? I've been there more times than I care to talk about working for corporate America and the church in that case. And it, and it does, it can do something to you over time. It, it can make you bitter. It, it can, because here you are, a willing person, working your tail off, trying to do the best you can to, to, to do the, the work at hand, and, and you can't get anybody else to help you, and you just get embitterment, and you get, you get angry, and within the church, you, 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 you can get there, but then you realize that Jesus warned us about this beforehand. Shelby, I told you it was gonna be that way. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. You just gotta, you've got to keep on going and keep on fighting and keep on preaching and keep on putting one step in front of the other and leave all this other stuff to me. I understand, God, but it's still frustrating. Amen? It's just frustrating. There's plenty of work to do, but not enough people to perform the work. It's very frustrating and can lead us to bitterness or burnout. And if there was one organization, just one more little thing here, if there was one organization on earth that you would think would never be in short supply of people to serve, where would it be? The church. But yet here we are, short supply, plentiful harvest. Who wouldn't want to serve Jesus and work for his kingdom? I mean, who wouldn't want to serve Jesus and work for his kingdom, right? There should be people lined up for this, to do this. To serve Jesus, all the wonderful things he did in the Bible and all the blessings that we get from serving him, right? There should be people lined up for this. Guess again, it is an uphill battle. Being a Christian sounds glorious until some of Christ's tough sayings are realized or one realizes just how hard following the narrow way is and they want to hit the clutch. Y'all know what a clutch is, right? They want to hit the clutch and they want to coast. I just want to take it out of gear and just coast. And I would say that no matter how big the church is, I don't care how big it is, this problem is consistent across all true gospel preaching, teaching churches. It's just like that. The harvest has always been plentiful. The workers have always been few. And it's just like that with Jesus and it's going to be like that with us. So if the problem exists, what do we do about it? Amen, right? We're always good about about preaching at problems, saying we got the problem, So what what do we do to fix the problem? Well, Jesus Jesus tells us to prepare the harvest. He says what? Therefore, what? Wow. Is that not just incredible to come from Jesus' mouth? But it's more than just pray. I want to challenge you to listen very carefully. This word that is used here in the Greek, it's not like just, you know, oh, Lord Jesus, be with me today. Help me to complete my task. It's, you know, Lord... Help me be a good wife, a good husband, and a good father. That's not what this is. The word that is used here means to beg with urgency. To beg with urgency. Probably in maybe the same way that we do when we find out. That we've been diagnosed with a terrible illness that's going to cut our life short what do we do when that happens we pray like we've never prayed before or we know a friend or a family member we pray like we've never prayed before and i think that's where we're missing it jesus is telling us that we should pray as urgently As urgently for workers in the kingdom of God that we pray for anything else anything but we don't I bet you we could do a random survey of prayer lists all over the United States and no prayer list in a church in the United States would have workers for the harvest but every physical ailment that every human being that we know or a friend knows throughout this whole earth will be all over that prayer list, but nothing about sending workers unto the harvest. So Jesus is saying that we should be begging God with an urgency to raise up workers to send out into the harvest. And I am as guilty as anybody on this. And I'll just be honest with you, at times it gets frustrating and you just don't want to pray anymore. I have prayed till I'm blue in the face and nothing's happening. Can I I get a witness on that? No? Jesus says this is a begging prayer. You pray to me like your life depends on it. Beg with urgency. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Beg with urgency. Just let that settle into your hearts and minds today. Think about that. Verses 3 through 7. The next few verses this is depending on God for protection and provision. That, that's what I gather from these verses. Is, is for the task at hand in sending out these 72 missionaries. For the task at hand at their time and their place, and for our time and our place, I know our context is a little different in America, 21st century, but I believe that, that Jesus is sending us a very clear message in how we need to depend on God for the task at hand. Depending on God for protection and provision. Protection and provision. that's a mouthful is it not depend on god for your protection and your provision lambs in the midst of wolves and angie inside her mind right now is smiling real big because she knows she knows the number of times that i've talked about this passage I had not been a believer very long and I was reading through the Gospel of Matthew and I came to this passage in the Gospel of Matthews and it stopped me dead in my tracks. And I said, I am so glad that that was not earlier in the book of Matthew, amen? Because I don't know that I would have read much more. So what is Jesus telling these 72 disciples? He is saying that you are lunch for the world. I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. You know, I, I, I had seen the Discovery Channel a few times. Anybody remember the Discovery, the Discovery Channel? Is it even still on? Okay. Well, we don't get cable. We, we cut cable off years ago, and I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know where it is to find it. But I used to love watching Discovery Channel. I love watching things about animals and other countries and all that kind of stuff. And, and for some reason, I was always attracted and, and, and wanted to, to learn about wolves, And I'm gonna tell you what, those are some of the most vicious in the canine family on earth. There's only one breed of dog that can really take them. Uh, And I can't remember what that dog is off the top of my head right now, but but this, this big, huge dog, and they call it the wolf killer, and there's only one dog that can take on wolves by itself and win. But they are vicious, vicious animals. And I read that, and I think to myself, I thought, that Christianity was about my best life now. Because at the time, that's the message you turned on the TV every time, was my best life now. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is saying, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Well, I don't know about you, but that don't sound like my best life now. It sounds like there is a very real possibility a very real possibility that I'm gonna be devoured at some point as I follow Jesus. So a lamb is a true believer in Christ. That's what a lamb is. Metaphorically, the New Testament speaks about him. The the Old Testament speaks about him, the lamb that was put over the lamb's blood that was put over the lintel in the doorpost. Jesus has been referred to a lamb all through the Bible. So a lamb is a true believer in Christ and a wolf, a wolf as used in the Bible is someone that hunts down the lamb to eat it, devour it, tear it to pieces and eat it, consume it for its food. Wolves can be professing Christians who aren't really Christians, they're just professing Christians that God puts into a church to fight god's will in the church give me a witness on that please tell me you believe that because it happens all the time the bible's full of that illustration the wolf can also be just general gentiles who are enemies of god that do everything they can to stamp out to stamp out god saul's probably the best example in scripture of a wolf he was ravaging the church but saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison So God, what do we do about this? I'm a lamb being being sent out among wolves. So, I mean, that means basically I'm defenseless because a lamb is defenseless against the wolf unless there's a sheepdog around to protect you from the wolf. Well, who's protecting us from the wolf? God is. God protects us from the wolf. He protects us. He is our shepherd. David understood that. You hear that from him in Psalm 23. He understood that. Provision, protection, provision, carry no money bag, knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. This shows complete dependency on God and priority on the mission. I mean, who in their right mind today would not take money or, 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 or something to sleep in or own if you went traveling somewhere? How many of y'all camp in here? Go camping. I mean, you're gonna take money on the camping trip. You're gonna take a sleeping bag on the camping trip, but, but God says no. Don't take money and don't take a sleeping bag. I mean, you, you are completely dependent on me. I'm going to open the doors and I'm going to provide for you while you're on this mission. So don't take those things. Then he says, no sandals. And everybody everybody that you read about this, language scholars, everybody else says, what Jesus means here is not that you go barefooted, but that you don't take an extra pair of sandals along with you. How many of y'all take multiple pairs of shoes on your vacations? Raise your hand. Women, how many do you take? You average a five, six, how many do y'all take? Two? Kelsey, you gotta be kidding me. I take three. I take three pairs of shoes on vacation. Well, actually four count the ones I wear on my feet when I go, right? Pair of tennis shoes, pair of nice shoes, something to run around with in the hotel room, and then whatever I wear down whatever I wear down there. Four pairs of shoes. Jesus says, Don't take an extra pair of shoes. Take the shoes that are on your feet. And that's it. And if you need anything else, what's he going to do? He'll provide it for you. Or maybe, maybe, maybe he just might make you go barefooted for a while. Amen? Toughen them feet up. And then he says, greet no one on the road. This is the one that just blew me away. What do you mean, greet no? I thought these these guys, you're sending these guys out, Jesus, and what are are they supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be telling people about the kingdom of God, but you're telling them not to greet anybody on the road. Well, you have to understand ancient Near East customs, which, (laughs) how many of us understand that? Very few. Well, in the ancient Near East customs, when you're following, when you're traveling, and you meet somebody on the road, that can turn into... A very lengthy process that can last hours and hours and hours. And because you're supposed to be courteous in the ancient Near East, you're not supposed to ignore them. You're supposed to accept their hospitality and take it. Now, when once they get to the town and they meet somebody and do that, that's fine. But while they're on the way, Jesus says, don't get involved in these greetings. You're on a mission for the kingdom of God. And you are going to a specific town that I'm sending you to. And do not, do not, do not change that until you get there. That's what he means by that. One of the things that I struggled with in reading this, I put this in my notes to not forget to to say it, but this mission trip, does it sound like the most comfortable thing that you could go on? Right. Well, you know, being in ministry as long as I have, I've been on a few mission trips. And I can tell you right now, we had the nicest accommodations, we had armed guards. I mean, there was, there was very little risk in where we went, how we lived, and what we did, the places that I've been. That is not what you see in the Bible. What you see in the Bible is you see Jesus sending out 72 missionaries into harm's way, two by two, just the two of them, with very little provision. And so sometimes I wonder. Are we doing the kingdom an injustice by having these highly comfortable, highly organized, highly secure mission trips when we don't see that in the New Testament at all? What are we telling a lost world when we have to go into an area with the highest security that we can possibly get? We're telling them that our God is not strong enough to do what? To protect us. It's just a thought. I'm not going to about to develop missionary strategies based on that. I just wanted to share that burdensome thought with you so you could struggle with it along with me. Amen. <laughs> That's what we do. We struggle with things. Whatever house you enter verse 5, first say peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. So this again, protection, provision. This is about guidelines for hospitality. Once you get to the city, once there is someone that's peaceful that welcomes you to their home, stay there until your time is done. And eat what they provide. Eat what they provide. The jalum How many of y'all, y'all Indiana Jones fans, raise your hand. Who saw Temple of Doom? Okay, now look, I know that was the the stuff, the child sacrifice and all that was terrible. I'm not bringing that up for that. What I'm bringing that up for was the food scene. Y'all remember the food scene? So Indiana Jones and Kate Capshaw and the little guy that followed me, they, they were all sitting at that big long table with all the other people eating and they bring this big snake on this big platter, like a huge, like anaconda snake. Then they cut it open and all the little snakes came out of that. Remember that? And then after that, they brought this, 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 uh, this platter of like big, big beetles. I'm not talking about like little beetles. We see. I'm talking about like beetles that were that big around. And they, they, they broke the back off the beetle and, the, and they sucked all the beetle guts out of that beetle. Do y'all remember that? I mean, I mean, that's what Jesus, Jesus is doing two things to, to prepare these disciples for this. And, it, and again, it's, 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 it's horrifying. What do we want to eat? We go, on, we go on mission trips. First thing we ask when we walk into the cafeteria is what do we say? Do you sell hamburgers, right? That's what we ask. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, eat what they put down in front of you. Eat what they give you. No matter what it is. Now, now here's the interesting part. Uh, the, the, the food laws have not necessarily been completely widespread rolled back yet. So there's a lot of Jews that are still that are still adhering to these food laws. Well Jesus is, is sitting here telling these he 72, eat what they put down. What if they put down pork? What are you supposed to do? Eat it. What if they put down food that that, that is not that, that is not kosher, that does not match what the scripture says? What do you do if they put that down? Eat it. What, what, what do you do if they put a big snake down and little snakes come out of it? What do you do? <laughs> run what do you do when they bring cooked beetles to the table what do you do it's because eating in the ancient near east eating was one of the most intimate ways that you built fellowship with one another. They didn't have Wendy's and McDonald's. They didn't have 10 to 15 minute meals. Their, their meals lasted much longer and they looked into each other's eyes and they got to know each other. It was, it was intimate fellowship. And so if you went there and they put down something in front of you that was disgusting, you went, blah, 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 blah. That was like one of the most offensive things you could do and chances are they probably ask you to leave. So Jesus is like, it doesn't matter what they put down, it doesn't matter what they bring you to drink, eat it and drink it and stay at that house, if it's it's a man of peace, if if it's a people of peace, stay there. Eat it, drink, and tell them about the kingdom. And I love it the way he says, don't go from house to house to house. Now, why does he say that? Don't go from house to house to house. He says that because he doesn't want the missionaries, he doesn't want Christian missionaries to come across like, hey, I'm here living at this house and I go into town to do ministry, then a wealthier person comes along and says, oh yeah, I know Bob and Susie, they have a dump. Come stay at our house. So then you leave from that house and you go to Bob, you go to this other house that's really nice and so now what have you done to the person that offered you their house first? Completely turn them off from the gospel of Jesus Christ because you have proved yourself to be a materialistic opportunist. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't do that. When you go in there, stay. Stay with the person that is a person of peace that offers their home to you and eat what they eat and drink what they drink. That's the provision that I provide for you. Verse 8 through 12. "Whenever you enter a town they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, "The kingdom of God has come near to you, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets." and say, even the dust of your own town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Here's the point. This is so important for all of us to understand. Because we live in an area where where professing Christians bounce around to churches more than I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anything like it in this area. I'm just going to tell you I've never seen anything like it. You gotta be careful about that, you know why? Because what Jesus is saying right here is these missionaries that go out, he's saying, however these people treat you is how God is gonna treat who? Them. Think about that. You have been sent in my name. 72 of you have been sent in my name. I'm sending you to an area and how they respond to you and how they treat you and how they talk to you is going to be directly related to how I treat them. And why would that be? Because you represent who? God. We need to be careful how we treat each other as Christians. We need to be real careful with that. Unless the individual is clearly doing something totally outside the bounds of what the scripture calls, then we are mandated to bring discipline upon that Christian. No amen there, right? (laughs) Yeah. No amen there. Never will be an amen there. Never. How they treat you will determine how God treats them. So when a town receives you, then you heal the sick and preach the gospel. When a town rejects you, go into the streets. That's where street preaching comes from, by the way, amen? Go into the streets. So if you see a street, people, are, oh, the Bible, this is nowhere in the Bible. You're not supposed to be out here preaching in the streets. Pfft, you hadn't read your Bible. It's right there in Luke chapter 10. Preach in the streets, preach judgment to the city. Even if the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near. Let me back up. Missed one thing. What he says right here, when a town receives you, eat the food they give you, heal the sick around you, and, this is very important, and preach the gospel. There's two extreme mistakes that can be made in Christian ministry, and I think you, those of you that know, know where, right where I'm going. You can either preach the gospel and be totally theological and never minister to the compassionate needs of others. Just preach, 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 no ministering, to, no ministering to the needs of others. Or you can do the opposite. You can completely minister to the needs of others totally and never do what? Teach them the gospel. Both of those are wrong. Both, you hear me? Live feed, you with me? Both of those are wrong. It has to be in the middle. Jesus always ministered in the physical to open up the gateway to the spiritual. Always. That's what benevolence ministry is supposed to be. Somebody is in need, we fill their need, then then we say, we do this because Jesus Christ loves us and commands us to do this, and now he wants to love you too, and he wants you to become a Christian and come to repentance and faith. Always must do that. And then finally... Verse 12, it will be more bearable for those cities that reject the 72 missionaries, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. For everybody listening today that tries to make Sodom and Gomorrah some type of mythological fable that didn't exist, here, here it is from the mouth of the Savior that it will be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than those that reject Jesus Christ missionaries. <laughs> well, you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 19, 23, and 25. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. That's how serious this is, folks. That's how serious this is. This is not, this is not a game. This is not playtime. We do understand that, right? This is not playtime. This is not a place for you to come just enjoy yourself and have fun. It can be that. It can be that, but that's not what the purpose of, of the church of Jesus Christ is. The purpose of this place is to save people from death and hell and to, and to march forward to Zion in the church of Jesus Christ. This is a military organization, a spiritual military organization. Do, do we understand that? It is. It's, this is not entertainment. This is the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it can't get, Jesus can't get any more serious in the way he speaks about, about what his 72 are going to incur than he does in, in, the, in these past few, few verses we've looked at over the past two or three Sundays. It's serious. But unfortunately, we live in a time and a culture where everyone tries to dumb everything down. We want to live any way we feel like living and then want, then want to believe that God has blessed us because we're living the way we're living. Well, you're not going to know all that until you go before him in judgment. Okay? And so the best way you can prepare for that is to do what? Follow the Bible. Amen? Follow the Bible. If your life is not conforming to the Bible, then the chances are you're not being pleasing to God. And chances are your judgment is not going to go well when you go before him to see him. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Depend on God for protection and provision. How they treat you will determine how God treats them. And the judgment that awaits those that reject you is worse than what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah for those that reject Christ and his disciples. That is the scripture for today. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word, the strength of your word, the convictional power of your word, the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would make our hearts and minds receptive to what you have said to us today through your word, Lord, as I always pray, if, if I have misrepresented something or misspoke, that you would show that to me so that I can repent and correct it. Father, we want nothing more from Parkway Baptist Church as your, as your people to, to please you in all that we do, to conform to your word, to be a blessing to others, to be servants, to be humble servants, and to let the world see that. So that those that will listen and that those that will come can come and believe, and we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand for a time of response?
1: Sing, so you turn your eyes upon Jesus. Jesus. Oh, soul, are you? Is it as we uh, prepare for our offering
2: Just a few more real quick announcements, and then we're going to transition to our uh, special called business meeting. Um, And I was told to remind you guys, if you do have kiddos uh, in the nursery um, down the hallway, if you would go get them real quick before we do get to our special called business meeting. Uh, But real quickly, we have a baby shower on the 23rd coming up. That's at 5, I'm sorry, 3 to 5 p.m. And that's for the Studdards, really excited for them and just all the babies that just keep coming in this church. Amen. We'll just keep on growing this church. Praise God. Uh, also, we have our senior adult luncheon coming up. That's this Thursday, and that's at uh, that'll be at eleven thirty. And uh, that's always at the Smyrna Event Center. Always a good time in the Lord. So uh, we encourage you seniors come and be a part of that at 1130 at the Smyrna Event Center. If you want to be a part of that, it really helps us if you sign up in the foyer. Just lets us know that you're coming and how many to prepare for. So please be sure to sign up uh, so we'll know to plan for you. Uh, and then lastly we don't have family do have family devotional guides we'll get back on the family devotional guides guys we're really excited about that um, and we'll be continuing to produce those so be looking for those uh, in the future but other than that uh, we're about to transition but I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll uh, get this special called business meeting started and done uh, pretty quickly I think so let's pray Lord we love you and we thank you for this glorious day of worship God where we've gotten to come into your house sing your praises Hear from your word, and Lord, I pray that everyone, uh, along with myself, have been encouraged today, uh, Lord, encourage that although the road is hard, you are with us, O King. Uh, we heard that from matthew twenty eight O Lord, your great commission that behold, you are with us always to the end of the age. Yes, the road may be hard, yes, there may be wolves along the path. Yes, we may be called not to take much with us, but Lord, we have you with us, and that 's the most important thing, Lord, and so I pray that we would be encouraged to go out. And as Shelby said, that we would go out not only just meeting uh, physical needs, but that we would proclaim the most important message ever, that you came to save sinners, Lord, and you rose from the grave, and we celebrate that, Lord Jesus. We love you, and it's in your heavenly name I pray all these things. Amen. All right, parents, if you'll go get your kiddos, and we'll transition real quick here to the, the business meeting. Okay, there's a quorum present. What we've got this special called business meeting for today is to elect.
1: Okay. Then we have... oh.
2: What we've got to do as
1: a church is we have got to elect uh, messengers for the uh, Concord Baptist.